Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. I'm here with the family. Say hi, everybody. Hi. Good morning. I am excited to go through a Bible study today with the family. I hope you have yours with you because we are going through the Bible. We're going to be doing a Bible study on the book of Matthew. So we're going to be starting in chapter one. We're going to see how far we can get. This will be part one of the Bible studies. We'll probably split it into a couple. But I am going to be using the New Living Translation. I've got King James here too. To make sure that we don't get too far off track. You guys ready? You gonna say hi? Say hi, hi. Saul. Hi. Alright. I'm gonna start in chapter one, guys. Ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, the descendant of David and of Abraham. So it's got a list here of all of the fathers. Of Jesus from Abraham who was the father of Isaac who was the father of Jacob of Judah and then goes through a whole list here of names that I'm probably not gonna be able to pronounce very good all the way down here I'll do the hardest one I can see here Jehoshaphat what? yes Hezekiah that's a hard name and Jehoachin those are some of Jesus's fathers down his lineage but as you can see at the top, it starts with Abraham, and it goes all the way down to Jacob, who was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. The Jokinia name sounds like a Japanese name. Sounds like a Japanese name? Well, these are all Jesus' fathers. And then there's Mary who gave birth to Jesus, who was called the Messiah. All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. So there was 14 generations of people in between David and when they went into exile, and from when they went into exile until Jesus. Wow. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she was pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break off the engagement quietly because she got pregnant before they got married, so he was going to break up with her. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will save the people from their sins. On this occasion, this occurred, not occasion, this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, what does Emmanuel mean? I don't know. You guys don't know what Emmanuel me? means? I know what it means. What does it mean, Candy? God with us. So Jesus' name means Emmanuel is what they would call him, and that literally means God with us. It means like God is here on earth. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have relations with her until his son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. 
So that's how Jesus was born. And then Jesus died on the cross. Then oh, you're jumping God. way ahead, Victor. We haven't even got there yet. <laughs> you're right. Let's go to chapter 2 first. You're right. Because we got to hear about him being born. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the Eastlands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. So some wise men heard about Jesus, and they came to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard about this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting with the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? So the king's trying to figure out where Jesus is. In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. O you and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not least among the ruling cities of Judea. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called a private meeting with the wise man and he learned from them what time the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go worship him too. So Herod said he wanted to worship him, but you'll see that he's a little rat. He's a liar. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem and went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child and his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened the treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Dude, that's expensive What's gifts. Myrrh? Okay, these are gold. You know what gold is. Yeah. Frankincense was like a really expensive spice. It like smells like an incense. And it was really expensive at that time. And myrrh was also like a spice that was really expensive. So Jesus is a little bitty baby laying in the manger. And he's so special that people brought him all kinds of money and gave it to him. Isn't that crazy? Would you want myrrh? Yeah, at that time because they sold it and they had a lot of money for it. That's how they fled you to Egypt. We're going to hear. Watch. They're going to they're gonna flee to Egypt. So they needed that money. Watch. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. The wise men went by a different route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to King Herod. Because King Herod's a bad king. Watch. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up and flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return. Because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until King Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. So another, these are prophecies in the Old Testament that keep coming true in Jesus's life. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. So he sent soldiers to kill every boy in the area around Bethlehem who were two years old or older and I mean two years old and under based on the wise man's report of the star's first appearance so Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah a cry is heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning Rachel weeps over her children refusing to be comforted for they are dead so Herod killed all the kids because he was trying to kill Jesus they were trying to kill Jesus way before yep when Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream unto Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, where those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So again, the angel said, okay, you're safe now. You can go back to Israel. You don't have to stay in Egypt no more. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth, which fulfilled what the prophets had said again 
when they said he will be called a Nazarene because Jesus was a Nazarene from Nazareth. All right, now the third chapter is what we're coming to now. It talks about John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent from your sins. Turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. John's clothes. All right, listen to how John dressed. Saul, you like clothes. Saul's got some really cool clothes. If this was a video podcast, you guys would see his his awesome outfits. Yeah, Saul loves Jordans and stuff. Yeah, he likes nice Jordan shoes and nice clothes. Well, listen to what John wore. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel's hair. So he had clothes that were made out of camel's hair. I don't know. And he wore a leather belt around his waist. Why would he do that? Because all he cared about was preaching God's word. Now listen, what he for food, he ate locusts and wild honey. What's that? Locusts is like grasshoppers. He ate grasshoppers and honey. He lived in a wilderness wearing camel hair and ate locusts and grasshoppers. But people from Jerusalem and all over Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to... Now, you know what Pharisees and Sadducees are? These are like the people who ran the churches back in Jesus' day. Dad, is that the lake where God baptized somebody in? Yep, the Jordan River is where a lot of people in the Bible were getting baptized. And the Sadducees and the Pharisees were like the church leaders. And as you'll, you'll see throughout the story here, they're pretty bad people. They were like the pastors of the churches back then, but they didn't like do things preach. right. Yeah, like a preacher. Like old school preacher, but they were like bad preachers. They weren't doing what God wanted them like to do. Like a right. nun priest, <laughs> kind of like a priest. So, so when he saw the Sadducees and the Pharisees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them, which means he yelled at them. "You brood of snakes!" he called them. He exclaimed, "Who warned you to flee God's coming wrath?" Prove by the way that you live that you have repented from your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe because we're descendants of Abraham. Because that means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham out of these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the tree. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. What is he talking about? Like that, the, that why everybody thought. He's talking about your the good fruit is like the way you live. Remember how we learned. He's about saying the fruit if you're not spirit? doing good stuff in your life, if you're being mean mm-hmm. to people and you're being bad, and God's gonna chop you down and throw you in a fire. That is, is, that, is that why people these days chop down trees now? <laughs> he's using that as an analogy. How people cut down trees. What's like all? when those two trees got thrown in fire, but angels saved them. Yeah, but this was, it's kind of like the, that, but if this is about God doing it. It's saying, like, if you don't live good, if you're a bad person, then God's going to punish you. He says, I baptize with water those who repent from their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy to be his slave or to carry his sh- shoes, carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat and with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn and burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Wow. So he's talking about Jesus is coming. He says, someone's coming that's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Then Jesus went to Galilee, to the Jordan River, to be baptized by John. So Jesus got baptized in the Jordan River. But John tried to walk, tried to talk him out of it. 
I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice came from heaven that said, This is my dearly beloved Son who brings me great joy. So that everybody was standing there and they got they seen that. They seen the Spirit come down on Jesus and they heard a voice out of heaven say, This is my Son who I love. That's powerful. Yeah, but these days that doesn't happen at all. Oh, it would happen if God wants it to happen. Mm-hmm. We're going to see Jesus come back in the clouds one day. Yeah. So we're going to see some amazing we'll, stuff too. We will just like go. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus is God. Amen. So he's always the same. Just We could hear a voice come out of heaven tomorrow. The God could do the same thing in this Dad, book that he does back then. He can do it now. What if whenever God comes back, he's still everywhere and anywhere? What is that? Yep, he's going to be everywhere at the same time. All right, let's move on, guys. Chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So here's where Jesus has a little boxing match with the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. You hear that? Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. We've been getting into some fasting lately. We've actually been having a really good summer. Saul got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Victor's next. And we also been learning a lot about fasting lately, haven't we? Yeah, and my dad fasted. For three days. Yeah, I did a three-day fast, and you guys both did a 24-hour fast, or was it 12-hour 12, 12 fast, right? Mm-hmm. That's awesome, guys. So think about that. Jesus did it for 40 days, guys. 40 days. You imagine how hungry you'd be after 40 days? Boy, you'd be right next to God. <laughs> During that time, the devil came and said to him. So this is the devil talking to Jesus. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So he's tempting Jesus with food because he knows he's hungry. But Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city, Jerusalem, at the highest point of the temple. He said, if you are the son of God, then jump off. For the scriptures say, so Jesus, or the devil quotes the scriptures to Jesus here. He will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. So that's what the Bible says about Jesus. So the devil was trying to tempt him with it. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to a peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. At this point, it wasn't because God gave dominion of the whole world to man. And then when man sinned, we gave it to the devil. We chose the devil. So the devil had dominion over it all. And he said, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give it to you. But Jesus knows that he was going to die, raised from the dead, and take dominion over the whole world anyways. That's why why Jesus is like... That's why God had to send his son, and that's why Jesus came. Right. Because all that happened. So let's see what Jesus says. This is what Jesus says. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord God and serve him only. Then the devil went away, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Dad. Isn't that cool? So after Satan left, the angels came and took care of him. When you yelled, the dog turned your head, and you started listening to what you said, looking at me. That's funny. All right, the next part is the ministry of Jesus. So now he fasted, he went and 
the devil tempted him, and then now he comes out of the wilderness ready to do the work of God. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to the Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Those are some funny names, huh? This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the river Jordan, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a light. And for those who live in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. So again, he's talking about Jesus. For then on Jesus began to preach, repent from your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. So Jesus is preaching about repenting and turning to God again too. Now we're going to learn about how Jesus made his first disciples. One day as Jesus walked along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they were fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Then they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John. They called them the, the Sons of Thunder. That was their nickname, the Sons of Thunder sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving their boats and their father behind. So they left everything to follow Jesus. As Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, he healed every kind of disease and illness. How many kinds, guys? How many kinds of sickness and disease did he, did he cure? It says he healed every kind of disease and illness. Every single kind of disease and illness on the earth. Jesus healed them all. All of them. And news about him spread far as Syria. And the people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, the Bible's like, whatever it was, they don't, God didn't even care. Or if they were possessed by demons or epileptic or paralyzed. So no matter what was wrong with them, he healed them all. Everyone, guys. No matter if it was a cold, a flu, coronavirus. Yeah. Broken say, bones, seizures, people who are paralyzed, vegetables. vegetables? <laughs> he healed vegetables. How? People who don't move or are paralyzed, they call them vegetables. So even people who like couldn't even move, Jesus would heal them. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee and the ten towns, Jerusalem, all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. So everybody in the whole area is hearing about this Jesus character. And they're all coming to see him Guess heal what? everyone. They didn't have Facebook and YouTube. Mm -hmm. The word spread so fast because God was so good. They all heard by word of mouth. Yep. Yeah, I know. Because YouTube, YouTube and TikTok was amazing. No, you just had to walk out to where Jesus was. Yeah. So here we go. Let's let's hear what Jesus taught because the next chapter, chapter 5, is all the Sermon on the Mount. So this is like Jesus' own sermon. This is like Jesus preaching. Yeah. One day, as he saw crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach to them. So you think about this, too. We go into a building and have church. Jesus had church right on the side of a mountain. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? Sitting on yeah. the side of a mountain, looking out at the mountain and the animals while that Jesus is just teaching you everything you need to know. That would be cool. 
That would be awesome. We should go to a mountain and read this whole chapter. Next time we're out, we're ever near a mountain, we're going to go there. We're going to pull our Bible out and read this. We both said that's awesome at the same time. All right, so let's read what Jesus was preaching about. The B attitudes is what he was teaching them. They call these the B attitudes because it tells you how to be blessed in life. Listen, God blesses those who are poor and realize that they need him. So the people who realize that they need Jesus because they're poor, God blesses them. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn when you're sad and you cry, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. So if you keep a pure heart, you will see God. And God blesses those who work for peace, for they are called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. That means when people are mean to you because you're doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you because you are my followers. You hear that? So when people are mean to you, it says that God will bless you when people are mean to you. So be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets who were persecuted the same way. So when people are mean to you and, and you get upset, Saul, you need to be happy about that. Because that means that God's going to bless you when you get to heaven for that. Rejoice in it. How Isn't that cool? The devil yeah. When somebody makes fun yeah. of you, you go, you know what? Thank you, Lord. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it loses its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So be a good person so people can see it. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses. So he didn't come to get rid of the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you, so if you ignore the least commandment, and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying you got to really watch how you live. Be a, be a good person. Make sure you obey God's laws. If you heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. Right? We know we can't murder, right guys? Mm -hmm. yep. But I say, this is what Jesus says. If you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. As, and if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Like a witch. Yeah, like a witch or just saying really mean things no, about people. You know, cursing somebody is speaking yeah. ill into their life. Speaking something not good into their life. Yeah. I hope something bad happened to you. That's what it's saying. That's, Don't that's, be angry. Don't think bad thoughts about people. Jesus doesn't like it. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar and go and reconcile to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to Jesus or to God. So that's saying, like, if you if you know somebody's mad at you, 
and you're about to go pray and give God an offering, he would rather you stop what you're doing and go make sure that that person's okay. Apologize before, Yeah, apologize and make it better before you go on praying and talking to God. That's how important it is. When you are on your way to the court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to the officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you've paid the last penny. So he's saying if you owe someone a lot of money or something, try to make it right with them. Don't wait until they take you to court. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who looks at a woman with lust already commits adultery in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one body part than your whole body be thrown into hell. Even if your hand, even your strong hand, causes you to sin. So like if your hand keeps stealing and you can't stop it, it says cut it off and throw it away. It is better to lose one part of your body than your whole body be thrown into hell. Isn't that crazy, guys? That's how important God looks at sin. It's important that we don't sin. Did you say lust? Lust. Lust is like when you look at girls inappropriately. Yeah, lust. Yeah, lust. L-U-S-T. And it means... Lust and lust? I don't know what lust is. Lust is... A word that means when you look at girls in a bad way. Like, you look at it. We'll get into that more as you get older. Talking about divorce. You have heard the... Now, we listen to this because we don't like divorce in this house, do we? Nope. You have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. That means I could just tell your mom, I'm done, give her a divorce. But I say yeah. that a man who divorces his wife unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. What's adultery? Adultery is like when you're in love with someone who's not your wife. It's a sin. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vow you make with the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say, by heavens, because heaven is God's throne. Do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you cannot turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple yes I will or no I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. So this is like talking about making promises, Saul. He's saying, don't say, I'm, I promise, I swear I'll do this, I swear. Just say, I will, and if you, if you can, you will, or say, I won't, and you won't. But anything that makes you feel like you need to promise something, Jesus says, comes from the evil That's one. It. You can't control things. We don't fall for a trick. Yeah. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. You guys heard that before? No. That means if somebody stabbed you in the eye, then you can stab them in their eye. Or if someone knocks out your tooth, then you can knock out their tooth. That's That was what the Old Testament taught. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus says, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you in the right cheek, offer them the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask, and don't turn away those who want to borrow. Dad, what? why would you give the uh, government your shirt? Because what Jesus is saying is we should be giving. Everything we have is from God. So if somebody says, hey, I need $5, say, you know what, here's a $10. If someone says, hey, man, can you help me with my car? So, you know what? Let me help you with that. Matter of fact, I'll help you and I'll fix it for you. That's how Jesus wants us to live. He wants us to love everybody. This next part is all about how much you got to love people. Listen to this. You have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say love your enemies. That's what Jesus says. Pray for those who persecute you. 
In this way, you'll be acting like true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives us sunlight to both evil and good, and he sends rain on both the just and the unjust. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from everyone else? Think about it. If all you are is nice to your friends, then you're not doing anything special. Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. What's or, I believe in the, oh, no, be perfect, even as your Father is perfect. Even King James says perfect. I thought it said righteous, but... Be perfect because like Christ. We're supposed to be right? God. God forgives us. Right? And we can do it because Christ gives us the power and he gives us the Holy Ghost, right? And what do we know, Philippians 4.13? We can do all things through Christ. But we are to chapter 6 now, guys. Teaching about giving to the needy. Watch out. Do, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose your reward from your Father in heaven. If you give to someone in need... Don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing a trumpet in the synagogue and in the streets, calling attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, you have received all the reward you will ever get. But if you give to someone who is in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Like, keep it a secret. Give your gifts in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. Isn't that cool? So if you give to someone... Give it to him in private. Say, hey, here's here's some money, man. Don't don't let anybody know what I did. And then God will pay you back for that. And here we go. Jesus is going to teach us about praying and fasting. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is the reward. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you, like Victor does in his bedroom, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you for that. So it says that Jesus will reward you for giving to people who need and for praying. Isn't that cool? Yeah. That when you something. what? Victor, you always shut your door in private. No. No, Victor just likes privacy, so he always goes in his room and shuts his door. When you pray, don't babble on and on like people of other religions do. You hear that? Don't just babble when you pray. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. You hear that? Even before we ask God, He knows what we need. That's really cool. So when you pray, pray like this. Okay, here, guys, Jesus is going to teach us how to pray here. This is how Jesus said we should pray. Our Heavenly Father, may your name be kept holy. Now, you know what? I'm reading this one out of the King James because it says it way better. And I'm used to it that way. It says right here, here we go. After this manner you shall pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Are you quoting it too, Saul? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Isn't that cool? All right, I'm going to read it in the NLT too. That way you guys can hear it this way. Our Father in heaven... May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our, the food we need. And forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. But rescue us from the evil one. That's pretty good, huh? If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. So if someone's mean to you, Saul, and you forgive them, God will forgive you when you're bad and you need to be forgiven. But if you refuse to forgive others, then your father will not forgive your sins. That's big. 
And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth. That is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father, who knows what you do in private. And your father, who sees everything, will reward you. This next part's all about teaching about money. This is God telling us how to how we should treat money. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths can eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy them and thieves do not break in and steal. This is what God said. What? Before you said... Uh... Before you started talking about the money in the Bible, yeah. I was thinking of on my birthday when I was popping the balloons and made money. But what if nice. uh, I made you close your eyes and I donated all the money to God? That would be awesome. God give it right back. Wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will be also. Isn't that cool? Whatever your treasure is is where your heart's going to be. Your eye is the lamp that provides light to your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, the whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. So listen to this. God says, don't worry about life. Whatever, whether you have enough food to drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than the birds are? Don't you think so? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? So the more you worry about stuff that you want, it doesn't, it doesn't add anything to your life. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, King Solomon, the, one, the guy who had more money than anybody else in the world, in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So that tells us that we don't have to worry about our clothes or our money, doesn't it? God will take care of you. God will give you clothes and God will give you money. But what does he say at the end? Why do you have so little faith? That means you have to believe it, right? We got to believe that God's going to take care of our money and he's going to take care of our clothes. We're his child. You guys are my children, right? And I take care of your clothes, right? And every time you guys want money for Fortnite, I give it to you, right? Well, not every time, but usually, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You buy so many V-Bucks. Maybe. Yeah, both of you. No, so don't... I all right. don't. <laughs> yeah, you do. I, bu I, I buy, buy a bunch money. of Robux. Yeah. So, all right, let's keep going. So don't worry about these things saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. You hear that? That's what people in the world have to think about, but not believers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So once again, God knows what you need. Mm -hmm. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. You hear that? Mm -hmm. So if we just live right and we think about God, he'll give us everything we need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Isn't that good? Yep. All right, let's, let's do a couple more chapters here and then we'll wrap it up. Chapter seven, do not judge others or you will, and you will not be judged. 
for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that little speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrites, first get rid of the log in your own eye and then you will be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to the pigs for they will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. Keep on asking and you will receive whatever you ask for. Keep seeking and you will find it. Keep knocking and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who sees seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Your parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? And if they ask for fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts for those who ask? Isn't that cool? If if we give good gifts and we're your parents, we're nowhere near as good as God. Here's the golden rule, guys. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the laws and the prophets. You guys hear that? We do to others as we would have them do to us. So whatever you would like for someone to do to you, that's what you do to them. But you don't do things to other people unless you would want it done to you. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide. For there are many who choose that way, but the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Isn't that cool? The road to hell is big, but the road to heaven is pretty small. So you got to be good. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. This is by the way they act. You can pick grapes from a you can't pick grape wait. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from a th- from a thistle? A good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you identify a tree by its fruit, you can also identify people by their actions. Isn't that cool, Saul? So if you want to be a good person, you got to do good things, right? If you do bad things, then you're not a good person. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day... Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. And I will reply to them, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Everyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Now listen to this. Though the rain comes in torrents and the Flood waters rise and the winds beat against the house. It won't collapse because the, it was built on a bedrock. So when we base our life on Jesus, even though we have hard times, nothing will fall away. God will always take care of us. But anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rain and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it collapses with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings, for they taught, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the religious teachers of the law. So that was all one sermon from Jesus on the mountain. Isn't that cool? 
Yeah. We're going to read a couple. Now we're going to see what Jesus does after that sermon. We're going to read a couple more chapters, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to call it a day. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down from the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Do you guys know what leprosy is? It's a bad disease where your skin and your body like, like d- decays pretty much. You lose fingers and noses and stuff. And it was really contagious. Wait, oh, and the homeless people gave it to you? Sometimes. Sometimes homeless people had it. It was really, if you even, someone walked by you with leprosy, you could get it. That's why it was really dangerous. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required by the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Because they made the lepers live in another part of town. But since he was healed, now he could go back and live with his family again. Some places of the world, but it's not as not as common as it used to be. Now listen to the faith of a Roman officer. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, 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 a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, "Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain." And Jesus said, "I will come and heal him." But the officer said, "Lord." I am not worthy for you to come into my house. That sounds like mom. The house is dirty. We can't have guests. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under authority and my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Then Jesus heard this. He was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Because the guy had so much faith, he told Jesus, you don't even got to come to my house. Just say it. It'll be done. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come over, will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it will happen. It has happened. It already happened. And the young servant was healed the same hour. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her, and she got up and prepared a meal for him. So she had a fever, guys. That sounds like coronavirus. I think it was coronavirus. We can say Jesus successfully healed the coronavirus in Matthew chapter 8, verse 15. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. Wait a minute, Saul. The sick and the evil spirits were kind of connected there. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah who said, He took our sickness and removed our diseases. So God removes our sicknesses and our diseases. Now let's, let's read a little bit about the cost of following Jesus. We're getting close to the end, guys. When you guys have been good sitting here, we've been in 53 minutes now, guys. Yeah, I know. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another of his disciples said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. The King James says, let the the dead bury the dead. 
Then Jesus got into a boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a furious storm struck the lake and the waves were breaking into the boat, but Jesus kept sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. The water is so deep. And Jesus Lord, responded, what? Hey, we were out on a boat this weekend. Remember how, like, what if that would have got really stormy and the waves would have been coming all over the boat? That's what they were going well, through right here. Well, thank goodness there was a door on the boat. Through right. The thank goodness we got Jesus inside of us, right? Yeah. So what? Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and they were made Calm. There was a great calm. Isn't that crazy, guys? And the disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Then Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerardians. This is where a, a demon-possessed man comes out. Listen, listen to this. Two men who were possessed by demons met him. They lived in the cemetery. They lived in the graveyard, guys. And were so violent that no one could go through the area. They began screaming at him. Why are you interfering with the son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? There happened to be a large crowd, a herd of pigs feeding in the distance. So the demons begged. If you cast us out, send us into the herd of pigs. All right, go, Jesus commanded them. So the demons came out of the man and entered into the pigs. And the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby towns, telling everyone what had happened to the, to the demon-possessed men. Then the entire town came out to meet Jesus, and they begged him to go away and leave him alone. That's how scared they were of the demons coming out of them. Jesus climbed into the boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. You hear that? He said, Your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, That's blasphemy. Doesn't he, does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Do you, Why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So to prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, Jesus turned to the paralyzed man, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Fear swept through the crowds and they saw this happen. And they praised God for sending a man with such great authority. So here God said, this man was sick. And he said, do you believe that I can forgive your sins? Because if you believe I can forgive your sins, it's easier to believe that. Than, than, or is it easier to believe that I can heal your body? And so Christ said, to show you that I can forgive your sins... I'll heal your body. And he healed their body. That's why Jesus heals people today. It's always to show, well, not always, but it sometimes is to show us that God can forgive our sins. So when people who don't believe in God say, I don't know if he can forgive my sins. When they see someone get healed, they know that Jesus can. Hey, Dad. What's up? When you said it rolls up in your body, are, are they words rolling up? No, when you sin is like it's something bad, but we don't sin doesn't roll like in the Old Testament their sins used to be rolled up to the next year so they could offer another sacrifice. But now that Jesus died, when we say we're sorry for our sins, they're immediately washed away. Well, you bet once you've been baptized, that's what I mean. When you get baptized, your sins don't get rolled up, they get washed away. That's what Jesus was proving here when he did that. Like the water washes it away. Yep, the blood of Jesus washes it away. And every time you sin and you say, I'm sorry, Jesus sprinkles more blood on your heart and you're washed away again. 
as long as you continue to realize that we need Jesus. All right, so let's listen to this. Jesus calls Matthew. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, Now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Isn't that good? When you know you're a sinner, Jesus will help you. One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked, Why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? And Jesus replied, Do wedding, get groom, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Besides, who could patch old clothes with new clothes? For the new patch would sink and rip away from the old clothes, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins, so they are both preserved. A little bit more here, guys. We're going to finish this chapter, and then we'll wrap it up. Jesus heals in response to faith. As Jesus was saying this, the leaders of the synagogue came and bent, knelt before him. My daughter has just died, he said, but you can bring her back to life again if you come and lay your hand on her. You hear that? She was dead. So Jesus and his disciples got up and went with him. Just then, a woman who had suffered for 12 years with a constant bleeding came up behind him. She touched the fringe on his robe, for she thought, if I can touch his robe, I will be healed. Jesus turned around when he saw Wait, Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus arrived at the officer's home, he saw a noisy crowd and heard a funeral music. Get out, he told them. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him. After the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand. And she stood up. Wow. This, the report of this miracle swept through the whole countryside. So she was dead and God brought her back to life. After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him shouting, Son of David, have mercy on me. They went right into the house where he was staying. And Jesus asked them, Do you believe that I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him. We do believe. Then he touched their eyes and said, Because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were open and they could see. Jesus sternly warned them, don't tell anyone about this, but instead they went out and spread his fame all over the region. When they left, a demon-possessed man who couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. This is all happening one after another, dude. Jesus cast the demon out of him and the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel, they exclaimed. But the Pharisees said, he can cast out demons because he is empowered by the prince of demons. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. So here we are again, guys. Every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, 
but the workers are few. So pray the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. Isn't that good? That's what God calls us to do is to be workers in his field. So that was Matthew 1 through 9. And we're going to pick up in the Bible study tomorrow and we'll start in chapter 10 and go forward from there. So let's pray, guys. Let's pray. And hopefully everybody listening to this, that hopefully that touched your heart and you got you got to see some sides of Jesus maybe you haven't seen before. And you can take this time to pray with us as well. Anybody who hasn't received Jesus into their heart, now is the time. Receive Jesus, get baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. And watch Jesus change your life. Dad, What's up, Dick? While we were playing, since um, we were doing the Bible, should we, should, we should play for Addie since she got went on. Yeah, we'll pray for Addie and we'll pray for anybody who has a prayer request right now. We'll pray for everyone listening to this, anybody who has a need. Okay, yeah, guys? Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Thank you for putting your word in our heart, God. Let it be a light into our life, God, that it guides our life in the right path, God. That everything we do, Lord, brings you honor and praise, Lord. You are our Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us, God. Thank you for healing every kind of disease and sickness in our life, God. Thank you for taking care of our finances, Lord, for giving us clothes to wear, for giving us food to eat, God, for providing for everything that we need, God. You are our Lord and our Savior, God. The Bible says if we profess that with our mouth and we believe in our heart, we will be saved. And we thank you today for salvation, God. Let this inspire people's lives, God, to get to know you more and read your Bible more. We love you, and in Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We love you. God bless you. And let's all say in Jesus' name. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. See you next time.